Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Forward Thinking Podcast. It's Christy here from CS2. So today we have two guests, Charlie and Xander. If you listen to the podcast, you'll recognize both of them. Um, but I do want to lead with we have a special announcement and you know, everyone just loves Xander on last week's podcast so much. We just decided to give, you know, give him more free reign with coming on to the podcast. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But, um, but really, but really, uh, Xander's going to be uh, co-hosting right now with myself um, over the next few episodes with plans to take over as host um, as I go on maternity leave. So surprise to everyone Woo-hoo. listening. Um, I'm expecting my second child in February, so, um, you know, it leaves less room for recording weekly podcasts, and so (laughs) Xander's going to be taking over. So, uh, yeah, welcome back to the podcast, Xander, and I'm happy to hand over the baton to you. I think you're going to fill my shoes amazingly. Thanks so much. I'm really excited to be able to be a regular on the podcast and, and eventually lead the way. So thanks so much for thinking of me. (laughs) <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Xander has a background in theater, so I feel like just any spotlight for him is just fulfilling his dreams. So, you know, I thought what better person on the CST team <laughs> to take over. <laughs> Finally getting some use out of that undergrad. Yeah. All right. So today I'll be kind of uh, leading through the topic and we're going to be talking about uh, security risks for your marketing automation platform and kind of our guide to the common ones you see, how to handle it, and also what implications it can have on your customer experience and also your reputation if you don't handle it. So, um, you know, not the sexiest topic, but something very important (laughs) and uh, that all operators should uh, know about. So, um, so yeah, just to kick it off, Charlie, uh, did you want to talk through kind of, you know, uh, the first risk um, that we see common, commonly, and this one is a lot, I think, uh, mainly <laughs> almost every like Marketo, HubSpot part, it doesn't matter what market automation platform vendor you have, these are, you know, risks that might happen. So what's the first one, Charlie? Yeah, so the first one I'm going to talk about is getting your forms attacked. So I think anyone that's been in MOPS for any period of time has woken up in the morning with thousands of <laughs> spam leads in the database causing chaos. And it, it is a, it is a big, big problem that is very consistent and it's one of the more difficult ones to solve. Um, but kind of going through the actual problem, so, you know, in terms of actually how this is happening, so a lot of people um, with your forms on, embedded on your website, you have with especially like tools like Marketo with the form API, it is relatively easy actually to insert data through the form API into your, into your database. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some kind of protocols and ways that you can block, like especially through like just more manual form submissions if people are coming in and actually like inputting data within the form manually. But through the form API, it is a little bit more difficult. So it does lead to a lot of issues um, where one, you know, getting a lot of spam leads in your system is just a nuisance. And obviously, that can be kind of frustrating, it can cause a lot of sync issues, it can cause issues where um, a lot of automation is triggered from all of that data entering your system. 
um, that can lead into further issues. So we've had we've seen examples where um, a client's whole sales force instance pretty much got like locked down and overloaded because I think it, I forget Chrissy how many it was now. It was ten. It might might have even been a hundred thousand. Yeah, hundred thousand records. Yeah. Uh, were entered into Marketo. It's the more, most force. we've ever seen. And I think it's be, also they felt the impact because what tends to happen with these two is they'll try like a batch. If they if, it, if they think it's working, they'll keep adding more and then adding more. And so that's what happened with the client is just like continuous over like right. uh, the night and like 24 hours that ended up being like 100,000 records. Yeah, I think it might have been over a weekend as well where yeah. people weren't really monitoring it. And mm-hmm. it, it triggered all sorts of... Um, automation in Salesforce and that's ultimately kind of like what led to the issues there um, but it, it's it's very difficult to handle right like Marketo um, will tell you that maybe you should put some kind of honeypot field on mm-hmm. the form and if you see that that's filled out then you can use that um, field if it equals true to kind of exclude them from automation difficulty is you know anyone that's trying to attack the form can quite easily just like not <laughs> check that. Um, there's there's other issues with um, you know trying to look at the patterns of the data coming through. So you know we were just talking about this before the podcast. A lot of them, I think, especially like a few years ago, we were seeing the kind of the Chinese Gmail QQ QQ.com email addresses coming through. So people would be like, oh, I should just you know delete any QQ email address that comes in. You know, obviously that's um not great if you're targeting china because they are legitimate email addresses but also um that's not the only email address that's going to be coming through right we've seen Mm -hmm. all sorts of patterns before and you can't you know really you want to be able to sleep okay at night and just knowing that okay well i've got an email address contains filter on a few um uh smart campaigns in marketo that might be thinking to salesforce or kind of like more of the kind of resource heavy um, automation and all I have is this email address contains QQ that's not really a security protocol that's going to really help you if any if, if the spammer comes with anything else right yeah. so it's very difficult to to handle one option the, the I most first have robust... a question actually okay. for Xander when you when you start before you started at CS2, had you had any experience with that type of attack, like at the, at your organization? Have you yeah. have you seen that before? Yeah, we we had we had one of those situations where it was like over the weekend. It was, it was <laughs> yeah. a couple thousand, um, but we were a security company, so you know nobody wants to have that have that sort of writing on them. So it was something that was taken very seriously, even though the overall impact was was not hundreds of thousands of records. Um, but it's still a vulnerability. Totally. Yeah. It always ends up being like your most public forms too, which will be like your contact sales and your demo oh. request, which then sends out alerts to alerts. the sales team. Right. And, uh, so, you know, there's, there's a lot high visibility on, on it, um, which is tough because it, it is so common and it does happen. And so that's why it's good to be ready for when it does, or at least know about what could be happening, like what Charlie's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. The, the cells are lurking people. I'll get on to kind of like some of the, the risky triggers you might have, um, in a second, but, um, 
the the other option that Marketo specifically has kind of always told people to do is just like delete the form and then create a new one and then embed the new form because that form ID no longer mm. exists. The problem with that is that they can just come back. Like yeah. I, I had a few clients for, for a while um, that they didn't want to really take this seriously. And I was going to get to kind of the one of the more robust methods, which is recapture. Um, but they for ages didn't really want to go down recapture the route. Um, so they were just like delete the form, wait a few more weeks, get attacked again, delete that form, wait a few weeks, get attacked again. And it just kind of built up. And they're, they're actually the example that I'm going to tell in a minute, whereas it got really, um, really out of control um, with some of the some of the triggers. But, mm. you know, recapture probably is one of the more robust methods. Um, now, there are a couple of forms of recapture. There's, you know, how many boats are in this picture, kind of, or click the boats in all of these tiles kind of thing. But then there's more of the invisible kind of, I think it's V3, V3. recapture. Yeah. Um, where it it is giving you some kind of confidence score in whether it is a legitimate person or not. The difficulty with that um, is that you, the data still ends up in in your market mm-hmm. automation platform. You just have a score to say this is you know um, either likely spam or not. So then you have to go through all of your automation and everything to be able to sort of like quote unquote quarantine them i wish these automation platforms had like a okay if this thing equals this like quarantine from everything kind of functionality that would be amazing but they don't so yeah who's listening to, from the product team yeah, <laughs> let's get that going um, so so yeah it but then the more uh, a lot of our clients when since we when we've built out their market automation platforms they have a very well kind of thought through master order of operations process which is makes the things a lot easier because you can kind of the beginning of that process you can say okay what is the confidence this is spam or not and then either run them through or not and then it kind of like restricts them from the rest of the process whereas mm-hmm. a lot of people's instances of their marketing automation platform record gets created everything fires off at the where <laughs> from lead created or form fill filled out so you have to go through and this is why that other client didn't want to do recapture because they we probably would have had to go through a few hundred smart campaigns and and add that check because you know they hadn't set up a proper order operations so yeah it's, i think a um, lot of folks are also just like worried about the impact on their customer experience with putting in recapture. Like it's kind of just like an annoying kind of. Well, like... the invisible recapture is they don't yeah. see it, right? I, but, I, but I think when you first pitch it to them, everyone's right. like. That's where they Kind think. of assumption yeah. is like, oh, am I going to have to select like the three like traffic lights when. And it's like <laughs> testing my in, my intellect every time I do it. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you were afraid you did it wrong. So, but I, I think that this method is, is probably like the best method for confidence wise. Like what you're talking about, like ways to quarantine because there's some major impacts to all those triggers that you're talking about that could go down, you know, down funnel. And especially if you have a master order of ops, it's really nice to have because then you can like figure out a path for them, like right at the start and then they don't sink to Salesforce and so forth. So. Um, yeah, and that, Charlie, and that, oh, go ahead. We're going to get into the trigger issues. Yeah, I just want to know about you're you're alluding to some of the issues with having a trigger, and I know there's one big issue we've seen in the past with the client with this. So, um, 
that probably had like the most impact on like their reputation. So it was, it was brutal. But but before I get to that one, you raised a good one with the sales alerts because I think that is um, kind of the reputation of damage, but more internally within your team. So like if sales wakes up in the morning and they've got Mm. 3000, you know, demo request alerts from this spam data, that's really not good. So like that, I've seen that happen a lot. And sales and marketing alignment is always um, something that could be worked on and improved. And you don't need that kind of like reputational damage with your sales team that like, oh, marketing can't even, you know, like they're already complaining probably about your leads. And now they've got 3,000 spam leads. This makes it even worse. Uh, and then if you think about all of the the other kind of follow-on effects with kind of your data and reporting, right? If you had 3,000 demo requests, you know, yes, you can delete them, delete those leads, that might delete that data, but what else happened, right? Did it create visible touch points? Did you, did you um, add, did you, do you have a data warehouse that had some kind of like mm-hmm. engagement tracking in there? Then now you've got to go delete the data from there. Is all of your reporting just completely skewed by this and it's going to take you a while to clean it up? Um, so there's a lot of that kind of just the team just losing trust kind of in the marketing organization if you just allow this to happen consistently. But then mm-hmm. the reputational damage externally. So this is something. So one thing that I, if anyone listens to this podcast, the first thing you should do is go through every single trigger that you have within your marketing automation platform or out, outreach or any sending platform that's sending an email to prospects and customers that is triggered by a form fill and check to see if if you're using tokens in that email and what tokens you're using and the reason why and and think about removing them because Mm -hmm. i i like personalization i'm not against personalization i think it's like in an autoresponder it's a nice to have but the the risk with it is that what our, one of our clients saw a few years back is that a lot of these spam records came in with real email addresses, like kind of charliesaunders at gmail.com kind of email addresses um, that had probably been been scraped and kind of bought on the, 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 the dark market or whatever. But they, they all came in with legitimate email addresses, or at least they looked like it. But then within the first name field, mm-hmm. there was, you know, you said this wasn't, yeah, at the beginning, you said this wasn't a sexy topic, but like at the, the, the beginning <laughs> of that email, I said, for sexy pictures, click this link. Yeah. And and so then it, it, I, I kind of smile now, but honestly, it was mortifyingly horrible. horrible at the time because what happened was about a few thousand or tens, tens of thousands, I forget the exact number, um, legitimate people got sent an email that said hi for sexy pics click this link and that is obviously bad for so many reasons one obviously that's a horrible email for them to receive from you but two that link is potentially going to install malicious software or some kind of malware on their computer Mm. and now you don't only have reputational damage but you have kind of a security issue on your hands so that is why now with all of our clients, we recommend in autoresponders, anything that's just like, oh, you downloaded this piece of content here, here it is. Like just mm-hmm. remove the tokens. It's just not worth the risk. Yeah. It's good. Call. I'm honestly like just not really a fan of autoresponders in general. 
I, I mean, it like, depends, right? If you do a request, it's kind of nice. Yeah, I, I could see that. But then also just depending on your process, like it could be, yeah, handled a certain way or that comes from like you instant book and things like that. But I agree, like you can't get rid of them all together, but it could be also a reason to just maybe minimize how many autoresponders you have. Because you're also talking about f- triggering off form fill. Also, right. I think everyone also needs to think about triggering off like persons created or right. what ha- like what happens in triggers and outreach if someone's marked as a demo request lead, mm-hmm. are they getting auto sequenced or something like that? So really, really yeah. think through like all of the like new person create or for those specific sources that you have forms tied to. But yeah, yeah scary stuff. All right. Let's, yeah, so the main anything... actions and takeaways from that yeah. kind of think about recapture is probably a good thing to to explore if you've been experiencing this or maybe even not, and then go and look to see all of your autoresponders and check to see if someone was to insert malicious text mm. into a field within a form submission, are you going to start sending that to to unaware people? Yeah. One thing uh, that I want to that I want to add in as well is that we have a lot of clients that are moving over to a PLG motion, and sometimes mm. those forms are not your automation platform forms. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. though the product team may not be thinking about this, um, so this is a value add that you can offer to your organization of of if you do have a demo free trial, something that's creating users in the product. You know, if you have a thousand spam bots that come into the product that can also have detrimental impacts to your overall service. Um, so it's a good opportunity to, you know, introduce some of those recommendations of recapture or, or something like that, even if it's not your form that you uh, own. Totally, yeah. totally. Yeah, good point. All right, Xander. So recently we saw a new type of threat like very recently, and we all got kind of up to speed on it and and looked at our clients for it. And it's somewhat related to forms, but a bit different. So can you take us through what recent security threat we saw and um, just describe what happens and why it can be a huge issue for uh, companies who might have this attack? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what the, what the vulnerability is, is... It can be on form fills. It can be via list uploads. It's really anything in your database. And that is uh, inserting um, formulas that you would use in like Google Sheets or other cloud-based applications um, that call out to other services. So for example, in Google Sheets, they have a formula that is that starts with equals import and then something else. So import XML and a malicious uh, attacker can create this, uh, include a concatenated web URL that goes to a malicious website. Um, That's gonna ultimately, um, you know, extract data from that spreadsheet or insert spyware onto your laptop or uh, onto a machine that somebody is using. And so when you think about like, how many times do people download records out of the database to run data analysis. Maybe they're pulling it out of a snowflake or a data warehouse. Um, if you have these malicious uh, malicious formulas sitting in any of your fields in your database, um, it could be a really big risk. So it was something that was that was escalated um, through a white hack, white hat 
hacker, uh, who is somebody who is doing this on behalf of organizations to identify gaps in their security practices. Um, and then I think that over time, it's become a lot more uh, apparent and the awareness has been uh, proliferated throughout the marketing ops community. But it's something that we definitely have been working with our clients on of identifying. Um, it's tricky because, you know, as Charlie had mentioned with the form API, as long as uh, as long as they know your Munchkin code, which is going to be available by inspecting your website uh, or, you know, any of your other services uh, uh, identifiers, uh, and then they start utilizing common fields that are accessible in everybody's Salesforce instance, uh, or they might start using fields that are very common for third-party applications. If they notice that you're running, you know, some sort of enrichment platform, they might know then that these are the default fields for that enrichment platform. And I can now start to insert these in fields that you may not even be expecting. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. What I know we did a check for pretty much all of our clients once we found out about it, but can you, for those who want to kind of see if they already have this vulnerability just in their database, what would you suggest they do? Yeah. I mean, there, there are certain characters in formulas that you would have in a spreadsheet that you're not going to expect in your database, right? Um, equals concatenate, equals import, maybe just the equal symbol. Um, I don't know of anybody that's first name is equals anything. So, <laughs> you know, you can kind of start to do wildcard searches through your- There's an Elon fields. Musk kid got some- Special characters in the name or something. <laughs> probably. I feel, like <laughs> feel like if there's any chance of that happening, it's probably there. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's probably not too common. Um, and uh, as you as you start to look through your database, uh, doing wild cards, what we were searching for um, is import XML equals mm -hmm. import kind of captures all of those variations because there's different formulas that you can use. Um, and, and there are formulas that are good on the Google Sheet side. So it's not like that's the security vulnerability. It's the fact that it can be used maliciously like a lot of uh, security attacks, right? It, yeah. It's taking something that works for a specific purpose and then they use it for ill intent. Um, mm -hmm. But concat, if it's in there, um, basically anything that you might that you might start to think about from a from a formula perspective. And yeah. what we were doing is I mean, it's kind of hard if, if your database is like a lot of ours, it's it's hundreds of fields that are sitting on every single record. Um, so are you are you running this search against everything? Um, we were running the search against the most common fields uh, and the fields that we had explicitly on the forms. Mm -hmm. um, and then if you start to identify like that, that's the low hanging fruit. I feel like most most security, um, you know, attackers are going to do the least amount of work as fast as possible. So they'd probably identify the fields that are showing up in the forms and then moving on to other websites. But that's not to say that you are safe if it doesn't show up in those fields. It's just that's going to be the most common approach that somebody would take. Totally. Yeah. I think, um, that, I think yeah, that's like obviously. the, the like you said, like I think at least take an initial stab at it and start. And that's like low hanging fruit, I, I think. And then also, I think alerting like your sales ops team or like the people that own the other database will let them know and they can do their own kind of similar checks as well, just so that everyone's kind of 
because uh, there could be purging activities that happened in in some systems, but not the other. Mm-hmm. Um, there might be a better query that like they can, or faster query that they could run. But like you said, like you might be sent like with our spam bots, but you could have multiple systems attached where then you do export that data. Um, mm-hmm. And so think through all of that and, and loop in those teams too, or you might be the owner of all of them. So check all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then alert your security team as well. Um, yeah. You know, because because the security teams have their own communities of people who have probably solved this problem in their own unique way. So now you're mm. attaching you're attacking it from an operations perspective, but you're also attacking it from a security perspective. Um, and then if there was anything that happened, at the very least, you as the owner of your systems and your database have alerted the internal teams that you need to alert um, to to make sure that you know you're covering your bases as well. Totally, yeah. Yeah, I think one of the important takeaways is that, yeah, as as the owner of one or many platforms, right, which have data in them, which have these type of vulnerabilities, knowing about them is kind of the first step, but then just being, feeling that responsibility to make sure that one, you're trying to protect your systems, but also like you're checking and maybe you've got a cadence where every month you do some kind of security review. Um, as these systems become ever more interconnected and complicated, you know, something like this happening can just get kind of escalated pretty quickly, right? Like that data gets in Marketo, it sinks to Salesforce, it sinks to Snowflake. You've, it's just like, it's just now in like 35 different <laughs> systems and like to clean that up and now takes, you know, 10 times longer than maybe it would have yes. five, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just need to really think about and it's kind of that product mentality again, like product teams and teams developing, you know, technology, they're thinking about security, right? And they've got, you know, a, a big part of that is security. So like, we've got to think about that as well. Like what, are, what how can we make this, these systems secure and, and remove the, or you can never fully remove a vulnerability, but protect our organizations from these vulnerabilities. Um, and as regions of the world become ever more strict in this respect too, around data, you know, the penalties are just getting ever more increased. And then also the reputational damage probably is all, maybe even worse than the penalties, yeah. right? So it's something that we should all be very conscious of. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. For um, for uh, either of you, maybe Xander, you start, but what do you think is one thing that... Um, like a, I know besides what we've already talked about, but what do you think is some things that you think an organization like could maybe think they're doing the right thing, but doesn't really like might be the wrong thing to do when trying to address uh, these type of security risks? Or is there something that you think that they're doing right now that could be changed but could minimize their risk? I don't know. Do you either of you do you have any thought extra thoughts on that? Maybe yeah. Start. Yeah, I'll start. Um, I think that the first thing is is that when something comes up, you 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 turn on recaptcha or you you implement a process, right? And then you and then you wipe your hands clean and you say, "I'm secure." That's not right. being secure, right? <laughs> What's being secure is setting up the process and then setting up the governance, the cadence, the monitoring, the reporting that you need to say, "Yes, it's set up, it's still working, and it's ca- and it's catching." Um, mm-hmm. So don't just set it and forget it. That's not that's not the type of work that this is, and it doesn't have to be a daily task. I mean, 
if it's really bad, you're going to notice it, but it, it should be something that you are regularly testing, you know, mm -hmm. once a month at, at, at the, I would probably say a minimum, um, you should be prioritizing. Yeah, totally. I totally agree with that. It's an arms race, right? It always yeah. has been. It always will be. It's like, we'll get smarter. They'll get smarter. We'll get smarter. And it's just kind of like, you can't just set it and forget it. Like Xander said. And I think the other part of that, um, is, don't just set it after you've experienced an issue, right? Like try, let's be proactive yeah. and try and, and stop issues happening um, because you never know. The first issue you have with this could be really bad. Like mm -hmm. most, what we've mostly seen is like you start to see like some spam leads come through mm -hmm. forms because they're kind of testing it out a bit. And then so, so it makes people think, oh, I can just be reactive. I haven't had a big problem yet. I'll wait for a small problem and then do something. But you never know. Like you, you could just wake up one one Monday morning with a huge mess on your hands, mm -hmm. and then the I think the reason why people aren't proactive is just resources. Right, we're all very strapped. Yeah. There's so many priorities, and I think um, when it comes to kind of getting more resources, um, trying to position security with you know with your leadership team where you might want to try and get more budget either for a headcount or third-party resources to help you with this positioning like security as like a threat and a reputational issue customer experience issue i mean they would be kind of crazy not to take it seriously right yeah yeah so i'm sure that we're all working in b2b SaaS. i'm sure they're taking the security of their product pretty seriously right and now, especially like Xander brought up PLG, our stuff is integrated with the product now. So like we need to make sure our world is, is secure as well. Otherwise, you can create vulnerabilities within your product. So um, I think I, the communication piece with leadership, letting them know that we need to not just be like, oh, Marketo is kind of handling it. Like we, we don't need to do anything. You know, we need to make our platform secure beyond what the, the technology is doing by itself. Yeah. 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 I would say too, like there's an oper like whenever I see problems, I always then think, okay, what are some opportunities here too? And I think it could also like there's an opportunity to one look at like your hygiene practices in general. Like if you have a ton of forms on your website, mm -hmm. um, it's it's probably worth like retiring all of those and you know getting rid of them. Um, maybe even think through, like, we've talked about it a bunch on this podcast, but like, do you actually need that many forms on your side or do you just need mm -hmm. the ones where you're going to capture, um, people who are ready? And yes, those forms are still vulnerable to attack, but it just makes the overall like maintenance or handling of when something like this happens, um, you know, minimized. Um, mm -hmm. and so that's an opportunity there. And then uh, I just want to echo Xander talking about like the, like, monitoring because there's a lot of things you can do like building a dashboard for monitoring and just overall data in general like bad data coming through uh because there's also just legitimate sources of bad data so if you're just looking at this from like a security risk but then also just you know data hygiene um you know there's honeypot leads that could get created and stuff like that so also using type, some type of email verification can be really great too mm -hmm. um so just all the ways that you can one like monitor but or or put in like just extra precautions and then keep things clean like i think that your all your risks get massively reduced um and then you don't have those friday 
Saturday, Sunday, Monday uh, fire <laughs> drills <laughs> uh, happening. So, um, yeah. Any any other final thoughts from the team? I think we covered everything. I mean, okay. I just I think it, take it seriously so you can sleep better at night, right? You don't want yeah. to be waking up in the middle of the night worried about these things. So, and it it's no, you're never going to be perfect, but you know, if you if you make it slightly more difficult for a, for an attacker to attack, then they're going to move on to the, the easier target, right? So that's exactly right. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks, Charlie and Xander. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Four Thinking, feel free to share it with a colleague or friend, or leave us a uh, review. We really appreciate it, and we'll see you next time on Four Thinking. Have a good one. Bye.